Amen. <clears throat> Follow me to Philippians chapter 4. And uh, today we're going to be focusing on, on verses uh, 12 and 13. And we're going to continue the theme from last week of Christian contentment. So this will be the second part of Christian contentment. Last week we saw uh, the, the, uh, the previous verses and uh, verses 10 and 11. And I want to continue uh, on that same theme because uh, uh, this Paul continues um, speaking to the church in that area. So from verse 10, it says, But I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In and in every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Last week, we ended with a verse uh, that says, For from him and through him and to him are all things, and to him be the glory forever. And I want to start with that because as we look at the Christian contentment, we have to understand, um, as we began to look at this last week, uh, this last section of the book of Philippians, that everything truly belongs to God. And it's, and, and it's, a, and it's a very important thing that we understand. Uh, it's not something that we should just um, uh, uh, pass right through our minds and think little about. We must truly believe that everything, not just our lives, but everything belongs to God. And as we, as we began to look at Christian contentment and how uh, giving ought to bring us joy in Christ, and we look closely on Again, how everything truly belongs to God. And I want to continue on that theme. You know, as looking at Paul's example of how he learned to be content, he found the rare jewel that we talked about last week of Christian contentment and that many never get to enjoy in this life. There's many Christians who just don't ever enjoy being content in Christ because they're, they just succumb to the world's ways and of, of the needs and the wants and the needs and the wants that they can never truly enjoy contentment in Christ and they spend their lives pursuing things to fill a void and the results are unhappiness, uh, displeasure, misery, and discontent. You know, learning to be content has to do with keeping our character free from the love of money. Chasing worldly comfort will never completely satisfy the human heart. You know, as a Christian, we must keep this, this Christian character free completely from loving money, from pursuing the wind. Uh, yes, uh, do we need it? Of course we need it to survive. But our, our whole focus in life ought not to be the dollar bill. Our focus in life ought to be Christ Jesus. You know, in 1 Timothy 6, 9, he says words like, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires, which plunge men into ruin and destruction. And this is exactly what happens. As people pursue the riches of this world, they fall into all kinds of different temptations in order to achieve those result, those goals. And, you know, Paul had learned to live in all circumstances. We look at the text. You know, whether it was poverty or whether it was riches or prosperity, God had always been faithful to him, and he never left him. God has always been faithful to his people. You know, listen to some words that he wrote to the Corinthians. You know, he says words like these. To this present hour, we are both hungry and thirsty and poorly clothed and roughly treated and are homeless. And we toil working with our own hands. When we are reviled, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure. When we are slandered, we try to conciliate. 
We have become the scum of the world, the dregs of all things, even until now. You know, as a follower of Christ, you know, we don't sit and complain when circumstances don't fall into our favor. You know, we must learn to be content and joyful in all circumstances of life. You know, this is part of the Christian teaching. This is part of discipleship. This is not something that you're just going to pick up, you know, along the way in life. No, you must be discipled in this area. You must be taught this through the scriptures, how we must be content and find satisfaction in Christ, in his goodness, in the riches of his glory, in not just this present life, but what is coming, and how to live in this kingdom right now. You know, all this we must be discipled, and that is why we go to scripture, you know, we were under biblical teaching, because we must learn to be content, you know, and we must be reminded of this, not just on a Sunday, but as much as possible, the Christian contentment is extremely important, so we don't fall into you know, stress, uh, uh, just discontent, uh, anxiety in life, and many of the things that cause us to lose the joy of walking with Christ. You know, we, we must learn to be joyful literally in all circumstances. Not that we're joyful that we're struggling or that we're in poverty or that we're sick, but we learn to find joy in the midst of all that because we know that Christ is Lord. We know that he is king and we know that he rules and we know that he loves us. You know, there's a, there's a true uh, saying in, in a song that says, the God of the mountain is still God in the valley. The God of the good times is still God in the bad times. You know, the God of the day is still God in the night. He is an unchanging God. He is real. He's not like us. Like we change in circumstances, days, uh, uh, in health. Uh, whatever goes on in our lives, we tend to change as human beings. And God is not like that. He's the same whether you're in the mountain or whether you're in the valley, he's the same God. You know, whether you're going through bad times or whether you're going through good times, whether you're in the storm or you're just in complete peace in your life, he's the same God. You know, if poverty is to come to us, may we bless God regardless. You know, if riches makes its way into our lives, you know, may we not forget God and may we continue to bless his name. That's what Paul is saying. We must learn at all times that not to put our sight upon the temporal things, but upon, the, but upon the heavenly, upon the things that come from Christ. You know, he says that in, in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both having abundance and suffering need. You know, favorable and unfavorable circumstances will come to all. You know, this is an important thing of Christian contentment, that things are not always going to be in our favor, according to our eyes. You know, learning the secret of being filled will help us whether we are well-fed or whether we are hungry, whether living in plenty or in time of need. You know, what we know about God will matter greatly. And this is why last week I emphasized the doctrine of God, the character of God, the nature of God, who is the Lord. And because as we, the more we know him, the more it will drive us to surrender more to him because we know that he is a benevolent, merciful, good, uh, uh, God to us, and and but we must know Him, not just hear of Him, but we must truly understand who He is. You know that what we know of Him is going to matter at all times in our lives. You know where you place your faith will matter greatly. You know how you react when things don't line up in your favor will say much of your beliefs. You know learning the secret of being filled will help us stay away from a life of envy, coveting, and lies, because this is what tends to happen. When we don't get what we want, or when we don't get what we think that we need, 
You know, we begin to envy, we begin to covet, we begin to lie, we begin to fall into all sorts of temptations and sins because of these things. So the Christian contentment is necessary to keep us pure in these areas because this is the this is the problem we live in such a materialistic uh, uh, place in the world, uh, especially where we live in, in Southern California. You know, that so many people you just envy, they covet, you know, because they look at, at possessions, they look at what other people have, and they have not learned, especially Christians, to be content. And, and for us, it is not a, uh, you know, it's not an option if you want to be or not. We have to be, because if not, we're going to fall into all sorts of traps uh, that the enemy will place for us. You know, finding this rare jewel will help us go through all types of situations in life. We will be able to not only help, our, help ourselves, but we'll be able to help others. Because when we learn to be content, we're not distracted by things of life because our eyes are set upon the person of Christ Jesus. You know, in 2 Corinthians 12.10, Paul says his words, Therefore, I am well content with weakness, with, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You know, and this is a pattern for us Christians. When we realize our, uh, how, how finite we are, how weak we are, we, we depend more upon God, who is infinite, all-powerful, all-knowing. You know, we, we, when we realize how fragile life is, we truly depend upon Him who has control over our lives. So it's, it's an important thing to understand. Christian contentment affects all areas of life, not just the areas of our finances, but everywhere else in our lives. You know, when Christ is filling our hearts and our minds, you know, we won't be getting so occupied, you know, searching for earthly feelings that will fade away like mist and like vapor. You know, contentment makes much of little and greed makes little of much. You know, for many to be content in all circumstances is a difficult task, I understand. You know, it's true that we must learn uh, educate ourselves and experience God in our lives, uh, you know, and, 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 but it's still going to be a difficult thing. Whether we are being discipled in this, it's not going to be an easy thing because we all live in a fallen world. We all live in the same world. It's not like we all transport ourselves out into different worlds. We live in the same world. We're surrounded over the same things. We, we, we see almost the same temptations. Uh, we all are, 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 are drawn to different things in this world. So I understand that it's not an easy thing, but this is why the Christian contentment is called a rare jewel because it's not easily found. We must train ourselves. We must constantly be reminding ourselves, preaching the gospel to ourselves, preaching the goodness of Christ to ourselves, learning of, of, of how good God has been, not only to others, but to me and to yourself, preaching it to yourself. You know, when it comes to this climactic statement, you know, in verse 13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. You know, this is one of the most misused, misquoted verses in the Bible. I just want to make a note of that. You know, Paul was saying this, this beautiful statement after all that he had just wrote, especially the Christian contentment. You know, much attention is given to the first part of this verse, that the part of the I can do all things. A lot of attention is given to it when it is quoted. You know, at times, you know, we can repeat this as a magical, abstract, philosophical blanket that applies to uh, all situations of life, you know, but for this occasion, I would like to draw our attention 
you know, to the latter part of that same verse, the weightier part, uh, the part that gets the least light when quoted. And that's the part that has to do with God, not the I. You know, it says, through him who strengthens me. Okay, let me repeat that. It is through him, Christ Jesus, who strengthens me that we can do all things. It is not just the I can do all things, but it is because it is through Christ. It is through his riches, through his strength, uh, through his provision. It is through his person, uh, through the gospel that he strengthens us. So therefore we can fulfill the things that he wants us to do. You know, one must be in relationship with him to, to understand this through him. You know, one must be abiding in him to understand this through him. Uh, one must know him to go through him. You know, through the eternal creator, sustainer, covenant-making, resurrected son of God, Jesus the Messiah, I can do all things. You know, let me repeat that again. Through the eternal creator, sustainer, covenant-making, resurrected son of God, Jesus the Messiah, I can do all things because he strengthens me. It's not really the I that matters. It's really the him that matters in the text. You know, may the letter I decrease, you know, and the, and the word him increase when we quote this and understand that the weight is not upon the I, but it is upon the him. You know, how can, when, when, when Paul quotes this, which is important to understand the context when it, because this gives it so much more significance and meaning because it was quoted, uh, it, I mean, it was written by a man in a Roman prison on death row. You know, one question is how can a mere man in a Roman prison, poorly fed, poorly clothed, horrible living situations, like I said, on death row, you know, say words like, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. You know, what or who was the source of Paul's strength, you know, under such uh, uh, so much adverse circumstances? You know, what was the source of his strength? Understand this, when, when, when everything is going well in life, it's easy to bless God. You know, when everything is lining up, when there's money in the bank, when there's food in the fridge, when the health in the home, when there's happiness everywhere, you know, it's easy to worship God. But when things start, when you start needing things in life, it's not so easy to raise your hands and say, holy is the lamb. It's not so easy to worship God at all times when you're going through difficult circumstances, whether it be you're in, whether you be in a hospital, whether you be uh, uh, homesick, or whether you just be in need, whatever the circumstance may be. So when we look at this, it's important to see, to look at where Paul was because it just gives us so much more significance. You know, what was the source of his strength? What was the source of his joy? How can you be joyful, you know, being in a rat infested prison, poorly fed, poorly clothed, you know, you know, you don't get, you don't get the same rights. You don't get the same freedoms. How can you say these words? You know, because he knew God. He knew the character of God, uh, the nature of his ways, the work of Christ and the person of the Holy Spirit. Paul knew God and he had his sight placed upon him. And he knew that even though he was in these adverse circumstances, even though, yes, he was like the scum of the world, as he wrote, right? It, you know, and, and even though he was just poorly fed, poorly clothed, he trusted upon God. You know, those who don't know God, all this that I just said is foolishness. You know, those who don't know God, it's foolishness. I mean, the scripture says, for the message or the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, 
It is the power of God. You know, to us who have tasted the goodness of God, to, other, to us who have confessed Christ as Lord, it is power to us. You know, the, the, the gospel is not just a Sunday school three-minute message. That's not what it is. It's for life. You know, we will never stop diving into the depths of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, this power only comes through him, not through our accomplishments, not through how much knowledge I possess, but it comes through Christ Jesus. It is from his grace to us. You know, this power that raised Jesus from the dead, I'm sure can surely strengthen finite creatures such as us called human beings. You know, to do all the will of God, we can truly say, I can do all things because it is through him who strengthens us. You know, the doctrine of God leads us to the person of God. You know, who will fill our lives with contentment, stability, joy, peace, and grace. It is through him that we find all these things. Just like it is through Christ that we can get to the Father. It is, it is through him. Everything goes through this pathway that is Christ Jesus, the work of the cross. You know, our God is a covenantal, is covenantal by nature. You know, and God deals with his people in covenantal ways. So when we go through difficult situations, look to scripture, look how he was faithful to God's people, you know, in the midst of very adverse situations. And so we must look and learn and train ourselves to trust him because he is a covenant making God and he will not forsake his people. You know, he protects us. He provides for us. He mediates for us. He makes all things work for good to those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. You know, it is important to note that covenants themselves do not solve all problems, I understand. But they do point us to Jesus who does. You know, the Bible is God speaking to us. God has spoken unto us and unto the world through the church. The way we live our lives sends a message to the world. The way the Christian reacts when not everything is falling into their favor, it speaks volume into the world. It, it, it's, a, it's a message that people cannot deny, but acknowledge and see, and, and see. How does this person react when they're sick? How do they react when, when, when there's issues in the family? How do they react when there's crisis? How do they react when they're suffering uh, through a financial need? You know, I, I, the message to the world is gonna be the lives of the Christians. You know, when people see the love that we have, you know, they will, they will, they will see, they will truly know of God. When they see us love each other, when they see how we care for one another, when they see that we are truly a community of faith, not just a Sunday, a Sunday gig, but it's truly a community of faith that we love one another, that we care for one another, that we're there for one another. And that is the message that goes into the world. And the world needs to see genuine Christianity. They, they don't need just good sermons. They need to see the sermons lived out in our everyday lives. You know, they, they don't need just the best Bible teachers. They need the doctrine lived out. They need to see this Christian contentment. You know, in order for us to learn the secret of being filled and to help us through all the pressures of life and circumstances, we have to trust God. We have to. Just like when we spoke earlier um, a few months ago in regards to anxiety, and, and, you know, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. It comes down to trusting God. And that in our worries, in, 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 the, in the anxious times of life, 
uh, you know, he says, come to me, those who are weary, those who are heavy laden, come to me. You know, and, and we must learn to come to Christ at all times. You know, Christian contentment can only come through him. We're not going to be able to be content in ministries and being occupied and doing good deeds and, and just living a good moral life and making good money and being very well educated, whatever people are chasing. You're not going to be able to be fully content because the heart of man is desperately sick and we need the cure which is in Christ Jesus. You know, in order to hear from him, we must open our Bibles. We must open the scriptures to hear from God in our lives and believe that God has spoken. And if God has spoken, therefore the Bible is God speaking to us. You know, and if that is true, the Bible is his divine revelation to man. God has spoken. God is speaking to us through his scriptures. And the Bible is his divine revelation to man. You know, Reverend Miller said this about divine revelation. He said, it is the discovery afforded by God to man of himself or his will over and above what he has made known by the light of nature or of reason. We need the word of God. We need it in order for us to not only find the rare jewel, but to abide there, you know, not only to learn about it, but to truly trust God with all our, all our lives. We're going to have to go to scripture. We're going to have to educate ourselves, disciple. We're going to have to learn it and continue learning this and unlearn the worldly ways that we pick up. You know, we have to trust his divine revelation. You know, as Paul wrote to the church, you know, we confess that even today, that through him, we can do all things that is according to his will, because he will give us strength. We can do all things that he's called us to do. We can do everything that he's, if he has called us to do something in this life, then we can do it because he's going to give us the strength. But we don't just quote this verse as a blanket statement that applies to everything in life without Christ. For this verse is only, the, the, this verse is only valid because it says through him who strengthens us. It's not just a bumper sticker. You know, this is a reality in our lives. This ought to be that, that I can do all these things through Christ Jesus, the Messiah, the King, because he gives us the grace. He gives us the strength. He gives us life. He gives us everything. And the, 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 the focus ought to be through him, for he's the one who's going to strengthen the church. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 7 and 8, to close out, it says, For we have brought nothing into the world, so we cannot take anything out of it either. If we have food or covering with those, we shall be content. Let me, let me, let me read that again. You know, we have brought nothing into the world. Nothing. Everything that we have, we did not bring it into this world. So we cannot take anything out of it either. When our, when our last day comes, uh, when it's time for us to depart from this world, nothing is coming with us. Absolutely nothing. Everything that we have is going to stay here. And it's somebody else is going to enjoy it one day or throw it away, whatever they're going to do with it. You know, we cannot take anything out of this world. You know, if we have food and covering, and in other words, if we have the minimal things of life, you know, with these, we shall be content, says Paul. You know, we ought to be content with these things, you know, because God will provide everything else for us. You know, man, we understand that everything belongs to God, so we can learn to be content and discover the secret of being filled is all found in the person of Christ. 
And my exhortation to you, my encouragement to you, my plea to you is that look to Scripture, trust Him. Don't let this just be a teaching, but truly trust in God. Your situation can change tomorrow. Understand this. Right now, you may be going through the worst days of your life, and tomorrow, you know, could be uh, it could be a, a better day. Maybe today is a horrible day for you, and maybe tomorrow could be a better day. Regardless, the days will change. We will all taste affliction in life. We will all taste suffering in life. We will all taste moments of bitterness in life. But we cannot let those times distract us from being content, from being uh, a, a trusting people upon a sovereign, good, benevolent God. So let us pray. Heavenly Father, we uh, come before you this, Lord, say thank you, Lord, for your goodness, for your, for your grace, and for the mercy that you pour upon us. As we're looking at Christian contentment, God, I pray that you can instruct our ears, instruct our minds, um, give us a better understanding as to what it is that you want from us, Lord, what it is that you require of us, what it is that, um, that you uh, want us to be doing in this world. I pray that we not be distracted uh, with so many things chasing after the wind. I pray that your people, uh, that God's people all over, Lord, will learn to trust you. That we will learn the Christian contentment is such a beautiful, rare jewel that is rarely found in life. I pray that we will find it and treasure it and guard it. I pray that we will learn to love you more and not stuff, not things, not even the blessings, but that we will learn to love you. Help us, Lord, train our hearts, enlarge our hearts, because they're too small, God. Remove distractions from this world. And I pray as the church again is dispersed, God, I pray that that you bring just joy and peace and comfort in the homes and places that are truly suffering, truly have financial need or, or they need food or they need clean water. I pray that you provide, God. I pray that around the world, your saints, God, will extend a giving hand in places that we know that there's possible need. And I pray that you will use your church, God, to be the light that through our good works, the world will see the Father. They'll glorify you, Lord, not us. And I pray that our sight will be placed upon you. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.